Dynasty League Football and the DLF family of podcasts. It's me, it's me, it's Tommy B. And this is the Superflex Super Show. Hey there, super friends. A very special edition of the Superflex Super Show today. No Superflex dude. You've got me, Tommy B. And I've brought on a very special guest, one of the super friends, Josh Nims. How you doing today, Josh? Man, I'm good. I, I don't feel like I deserve the title of special. I'm just a dude that loves Dynasty and Superflex, but um, it's great to be on here. And thank you for having me. This is, this is really cool. Man, I love it. You and I have been DMing for a while now about different Dynasty and Superflex strategy. And it reached a point where it's like, I just got to get this guy on the show. And I know we've got our standard operating procedures, our next week this week, but I had to talk some dynasty theory with you. And so a few weeks ago, I put out the challenge to the super friends and I said, hey, try not to rebuild. If there's any way that you can take a rebuilding team and put the turbocharge button on it and push it into a contender, DM me. I want to help you. I want to find a way to get you into the playoffs this year instead of punting one more year. And you delivered, man. You reached out to me and you gave me a team that honestly, it's kind of a mess. Not, no from, a, not from a roster build standpoint or from an asset value standpoint, but it is not ready to contend right now. No, it's not. It's not. And it's not supposed to be. It's uh I mean, I, I, I tore it down as, as hard as I could, and uh, I still keep tearing it down after I think I should be over, uh, tearing it down just to keep on getting draft picks, and it's it's rough. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty ugly if you're trying to look at a, a winning team. Man, I, I want to help you. I want to provide some strategy and some roster moves to possibly push you into getting out of this rebuild. Um, but before we get too deep in the weeds, why don't you just introduce yourself to the super friends and let's talk about this league for a little bit. So how long have you been playing dynasty or fantasy for, and when did this league start up? Yeah. I mean, I, I started just like most people did with fantasy with redraft. Uh, I, I didn't really pay that much attention. I remember I'm old enough to remember drafting from looking at a newspaper uh, without computers and uh, that was that was early on, you know, uh, 10, 10, 12 years ago, something like that. And then eventually I started in Dynasty. It was actually uh, Reality Sports Online, familiar with that platform, got me into it. I really like the salary cap management they do over there. They like mirror the NFL salary cap. And that's kind of like a pseudo Dynasty. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's a weird hybrid of a keeper. But that eventually led to like a, a more pure Dynasty format. I wanted just to keep players forever, not having to keep resigning them. So. Um, that was in 2017. So 2018 is when I, I did my first real startup. So five or six years. And Superflex is only a few years old. It's probably been about three, three or four years I've been playing Superflex. And this league, um, what actually happened is after getting into Dynasty, there's just a bunch of players that, you know, you have those guys that just, they just play redraft and they go, oh, I want to play all year long. And they draft the team and then they just trade like it's redraft. And after a while, you start you know, playing more and more and it just gets really, really annoying because these guys just trade these, make these trades and all of a sudden their, their teams are look really good. And then two years later, they're just total crap. 
and they leave the league and the league folds. So me and a few friends wanted to start a new league that didn't have it happen where we had guys that really got the dynasty concept. So we started this league a year ago, one and now where you're going over my roster uh, and um, three of us commissioned it. I'm one of the commissioners and we have nine guy, other guys, 12 team league that we really, that are really good. They, they challenge us. We're hoping to create a long-term 10, 15 year league where hopefully nobody leaves. You, you never want to see somebody leave, but um, that's kind of where it is now. This is like my only league and it's the one that I spend my downtime, you know, in the shower when I, late at night when I wake up at 3 a.m. and think, what should I do? Is there other moves to make? Like, this is the league I'm thinking about. It's the only one. So. Yeah, it proves that you don't have to be in 60 leagues to just be madly in love with Dynasty. And it also proves that you just need good commissioners, right? They make all the difference in the world because I've been in that situation as well where I build a monster and then a year later, the league folds. And it's like, why did I do all of this work to build this team, to be patient and to use processes that my league mates aren't taking advantage of just to have a league fold um, in you know a few years? So I think it's great that you're a commissioner. I think it's awesome that this is your only league. I'm a little envious, to be honest with you, because yeah. I'm in 18 or 19 leagues and I'm a little dispassionate about the players themselves. I imagine when you draft a player or when you trade for a player, that means something, doesn't it? Yeah, it's an investment. It's like, this is the guy. And at that moment, this is the guy I, I believe in. I'm, I'm sinking my my hopes and dreams for this team in. And if it goes south, I got to either take a loss or somehow figure out how to maintain some you know stock market type trade value to, to get another guy that I think is going to help me next year so yeah all right let's get into this league a little bit and then i want to i want more context from you as well because i think context is everything when you enter a rebuild and especially when you're trying to exit a rebuild so looking at the um the lineup starting requirements it looks like it's super flex which is fantastic so you've got a starting quarterback spot two running back spots two wide receiver spots, and then three flex spots along with another super flex spot, right? Of course, there's a tight end. And then it looks like y'all are playing with defenses still. Is that correct? We do play with defenses, yeah. Yeah, I, I honestly, I don't mind playing with defenses. I know it's not a popular thing to say in the yeah, fantasy it's, space, it's, but it adds... Less, or kickers are the ones that people hate, right? <laughs> you, can't, you can't have dynasty kickers. Yeah, yeah, totally. We, Kickers aren't as fun unless we do defenses. But yeah. <laughs> I, I guess starting, I'm voting that out. But yeah, it's, it's, I'm kind of indifferent on it. Yeah, I'm starting two kickers in Scott Fishbowl. So unless you have some <laughs> crazy settings like that, absolutely. So what made you enter a rebuild? Because it looks just at first glance that this team is very much in a rebuild. And we're going to get to the individual players, but I want to know how we came to be where we are. Yeah, this is great. So, um, Actually, John was the one that uh, the, the Superflex dude himself uh, just kind of through DMs uh, sold me on the strategy. I had we had a startup a year ago in the summer of 2022, and um, this was the time that I wanted to. I'm, I'm the guy that like I want to have a plan. I don't I don't really believe the the stay the whole stay water approach that's kind of been out there. Uh, I think John is. And, and, and you and some other hosts have kind of talked me off of that thinking a bit. Like I wanted a strategy and 
I didn't know what a winning strategy should be in Superflex because I hadn't spent the time digging into Superflex. And I came across the article series and I just thought this is this makes so much sense. When my brain works, like I'm a, a systems guy, like this is a system. The system feeds one another. And the running backs support the quarterbacks who support the couple wide receivers who support the tight end. Let's go for it. So I started the draft, did a QBX approach, and uh, I had an okay team. I think the team I started with a year ago would have been one that you would have definitely pushed towards winning without any feeling of this this team should should punt. But um, as the year went on, the, the quarterbacks I selected lost their jobs. So one was Jameis Winston, um, one was Baker Mayfield, uh, then Matt Stafford went out for the year. And all of a sudden, all I had left was like Derek Carr and Deshaun Watson. So at that point, I was like, I need to do something. And I just, I saw the opportunity that I could get one-on-one if I, ta- if I tanked. And I, it was like week three. Um, I, I just hit the, hit the tank button and traded for a bunch of different assets and slowly just took everything off the roster that was scoring points, just, you know, trading and a, a player that's starting for a third, trading, trading a third for a player that, you know, might be kind of exciting, like a Zay Jones for a second, and then just slowly getting capital and eventually having a couple of players that I can stick my flag in and a bunch of picks. And that's kind of where I am today. I think that's fantastic. Doing those micro transactions is really difficult to do. It's great, like in theory, just say, oh yeah, just take this player and package him with a third and find a second. That's a lot of work. And so I commend you for grinding through the season in that manner. Um, I want to ask you a follow-up question though. When did you intend, when you went into this tank, when did you intend on exiting and contending? 2024. So next year is the goal. So I, I thought a two-year tank, get one-on-one and a couple of players from last year's draft and then a bunch of picks. I don't know what I'm going to do with all these picks. That's part of what I want to ask you. You made a statement a few weeks ago on the pod about the worst thing you can do is actually make that selection. And that really stuck with me. And I want to understand that a little bit more. Uh, But that's the goal is 2024 season is to to be a contender. Yeah, we're certainly going to get into that. I'd like you to just run down really quickly not all of the players on your team, because just like me, you've got some guys that they, they don't really move the needle to be kind. Um, but that's okay. They, they hold a, a value. You don't have to be kind. You can, don't, <laughs> don't hold that. I won't get offended. This, this team is a pile of junk to save a few players. So <laughs> Let's list off those few players. Who do you have at the quarterback spot? So I have uh, CJ Stroud. I have the injured Kyler Murray. And the only other notable one, I do have Trey Lance. I got him cheap uh, just to sit on that bench for a few years. Yeah, I like that quarterback room in a rebuild. Um, tell me about your running backs. Uh, I have Bijan uh, with one one last year. I have Jonathan Taylor. I bought him, I think I bought him somewhat cheaply uh, a few weeks ago in the middle of the trade hiatus. We didn't know what was going to happen. And then a bunch of just junk after that. Team RB3s, guys are picking up off waivers. Yeah, which no shame in that. I, I love the Craig Reynolds of the world. Um, so we've got two very top-heavy guys at the running back position and then some volume behind it. Uh, tell me about your wide receivers and tight ends, because there, there isn't a whole lot there, but you've got a couple of guys. 
Yeah, I have JSN and I have uh, Jonathan Mingo and tight ends. I have Kyle Pitts and I think for the Super Friends, I have uh, is it Terratiano, Quentin, whatever his name is. The guy John said pick up. I, he was on waivers, so of course I picked him up. So I have him too. And a few other guys. He's not even worth mentioning. But yeah, for John. The show. Egan Catoriano. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't even say his name right. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's um. So as you can hear, super friends, we've got a few pieces. We've got a handful, right? C.J. Stroud, Kyler Murray, Bijan, Jonathan Taylor, uh, J.S.N. Kyle Pitts, and not much else. Now this is a six point per passing touchdown tight end premium league. Is that correct? Yeah, you got it. Yep. Great. And it's a 1.5 PPR 1.5 for tight ends? PPR tight end, yep. So you want to have good tight ends. Um, you don't need to build your entire roster necessarily around them, but they can, at the very top, become difference makers. And so I'm sure your your goal is to have um, an advantage at the tight end position with Kyle Pitts. And we're going to talk about possibly leveraging that moving forward. And so... I am a unabashed numbers butt, as John Hogue likes to call me. Um, I like using the spreadsheets and trying to figure out outcomes with my teams. And so what I sent you is one of my spreadsheets, right? A team building spreadsheet in which I input all of your players of relevance and even some of the ones that aren't super relevant to give you a projected a warp, so the adjusted wins over replacement player, um, as well as your projected record. And I got to be honest, man, it's not great. <laughs> not great anytime soon. Nope. So your all play that I've got, and this is just sort of like a middle outcome. You can certainly overachieve. It would be hard to underachieve from this. Um, but your medium, your median outcome is about a 244 all play. So you're winning about three games this year in a typical 14-week season. Yeah, a Yeah, a true replacement level team is going to win about two. So we're really, we're really close to the bottom of... Uh, That's good. That's good what I want, right? <laughs> I'm supposed to be... It's been upside down. Like, every time I lose, I get excited. So I think that's good. But maybe it's not good. That's what we're going to... Talking about, I think, right? <laughs> I think it's fantastic. And I'm not going to try to convince you with this team that the right move is to compete. However, you do have something that we haven't talked about yet. And that is an absolute buttload of draft capital. Tell me about your draft picks. So I have my own, which I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make one on one. We do max points for as our. Uh, rookie draft order determination. Um, so then I have then I have four other firsts. So I have five total, 24 firsts. I have a second, which is a second of a guy that's also rebuilding in this league and does not have much. So hopefully an early second. And then I have uh, 225 firsts as well. So seven firsts over the next two years and hopefully an early second. That is fantastic and whenever i see this much draft capital i can't wait to spend it so i commend you for holding on to it I, i'm not sure how long you've had this christmas, but... christmas morning for you today. <laughs> yeah i think that having five firsts is just like 
it makes me nervous, but it also makes me giddy because I know I can buy a lot with it. And so I would like to present to you a plan. And it's a plan to move you into the five or six seed of the playoffs this year based on a median outcome. Um, I'm going to use existing trades that have happened in other leagues um, as my basis for constructing trades in your league. I've looked at your league. Um, and so these trades could actually happen, whether or not they accept. I mean, that's up for debate, but I wanted to give you a path forward this year um, with this terrible team to make the playoffs and to build a sustainable roster moving forward. You're, I'm not going to spend all of these five first round picks, but I'm going to spend a few of them. And I'm going to be headhunting at what I think are really valuable profiles, given these league settings, given your starting lineup requirements and your league dynamics. How's that sound? Let's do it. Cool, man. All right. So the first move I want to make is at your quarterback position, right? So you've got a rookie quarterback and they just don't perform. Um, CJ Stroud is very likely to be somewhere between quarterback 22 and 32. I think that's a realistic expectation. Somebody that we talked about on the standard operating procedures uh, a few days ago was actually Matt Stafford. I've seen him go in this format for a mere second round pick. And I know you said this could be an early second rounder, but I would propose that we send away your second round pick and bolster your quarterback spot very cheaply, getting out in front of the Matt Stafford production this year. I think you're going to burn this pick, right? I don't think that we can rely on it next year. However, Matt Stafford is rumored to be signing up for the quarterback show on Netflix. I am wondering if that speaks to, and this is just purely conjecture. This is just something in my head, but I'm wondering if that speaks to the fact that he still wants to play as long as his body will allow him to. And I feel more confident in a Matt Stafford at this point in the season than I would with, let's say, an Aaron Rodgers playing next year. And I think a second round pick for the production that you can get for a Matt Stafford somewhere in the QB 22, which is his consensus ranking right now, I think that's a a pretty strong value. So in a vacuum, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Um, And as we build out your roster, I'd like to hear what you think about Um, Matt Stafford as he relates to a contending piece. So I actually really like that move. I think if I was a little closer everywhere else, uh, that would make a ton of sense for me. If, if I have a quarterback need, that would be a guy I'm, I'm probably thinking about the the 35, the 36, the guy with, you know, several reasons not to go trade him, trade for him. But then if you're trying to, to win this this year or even have a two or three year vision in sight, that's the type of player doesn't cost first. He's going to he's going to score you. I mean, you tell me quarterback 18 type numbers, something like that. That's the type of player at this count that, that makes sense. So I like the I like the value. I like I like the player for a few years. Second, second round hit rates are not great. I don't think 
what is what is it 15 to, to 25 percent in that range or something like that so it it, it makes sense um i would be hesitant to do it because i don't know i don't believe in the rest of my team in 2023 but if i did that's a move i would i would think about making yeah and so to speak to the warp or the a warp um so every 100 points or so that you add to your roster over the course of the season um, is worth about a win in this format, in this Superflex six-point-per-passing-touchdown-tight-end-premium league. And Matt Stafford adds between a quarter and a half of a win to your starting lineup. And so for a second-round pick, this is just, I mean, it's outrageous value. Um, it puts points in your lineup super cheaply. There is some risk there and the the picture isn't yet clear, but I think this is a strong starting move because I think the person who has Matt Stafford is very likely to trade him to you because they don't yet see the picture either. And so you want to get out and get some of these pieces that are really going to round out your roster before it becomes clear to your league mates that you're going to be pushing to a contending window. And so that's the first move that I'm proposing that you make. I shouldn't tell you this, but the guy who has Matt Stafford actually has four starting quarterbacks right now. So uh, every every reason to actually to do to take this and you know leave the show and to go make that trade offer. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into another one before we do that because I wanna I wanna put all five and I've got one more actually all five of these trades sort of out before you so that we can collectively understand what we're trying to achieve and, and how close it gets us to contending. So the next move that I want to make is to move CJ Stroud off of my roster in an arbitrage. Um, the most recent trade that I could find with CJ Stroud in a super flex format was actually pretty savvy in my opinion. And it was trading him straight up um, for a package of Kenny Pickett and Christian Kirk. So Kenny Pickett and CJ Stroud have essentially identical profiles. There, there isn't that much different about them in terms of potential success, in terms of what their expected production is. Um, but you are so thin at wide receiver that this gives you a wide receiver one or wide receiver two in your starting lineup. And so I see this as a fantastic arbitrage opportunity where you're not really changing your profile. Um, but you are getting another starting piece. And I recommend this to rebuilders in a lot of different formats, in almost any format, because these types of opportunities where you're not really giving anything up, aside from the bias of disliking Kenny Pickett after week one, yeah. um, allows you to, to gain, in your case, a significant advantage because Christian Kirk isn't going to be sitting on your bench on this team. He's going to be... Yeah. Firmly in your starting lineup every week. He's he going to be the, the wide receiver one on this team. <laughs> uh, it's ugly. That's how ugly it is. Uh, yeah. So I on that one, I think when I think about trades, I, I think about you know the the, the dynamic. I think how, how do you guys define it? The, the, you talk about concepts of value wise, like stock market type, market value. You know what a player is worth in, in draft picks. And in my head, you know CJ Stroud is worth. A lot more than than Kenny Pickett, as it is obviously. And when you add Christian Kirk in there, you know you're adding a, a you know mid middle 
age, 27-ish wide receiver. I think he's around there. A few more years. So in my, in my head, when I hear this trade, I think, okay, it makes sense if I have a, a vision of, of this season right now. But if I'm looking beyond that, I don't feel super awesome about it unless I really believe in Kenny Pickett. And maybe maybe, maybe you see them very similar, similarly as a career trajectory. I guess I would probably hope with the rest of the narrative that Stroud has is, is got the top 12-ish ceiling can he pick it maybe if he runs we don't we don't quite know yet um so i can see where it comes from i'd be hesitant to move off of the the stroud ceiling for that package if i'm looking beyond trying to win this season that's totally fair and you're in one league and so every transaction matters i'm thinking more on a theoretical sense right i don't have to live and die with these players on my roster but what i will say is the first round quarterbacks in this range perform essentially the same. And so the likelihood, the odds, the percentages of one CJ Stroud doing better than Kenny Pickett are essentially randomized within that bin. And I am a terrible talent evaluator. Um, and so I don't try to be long-term there chance to be that much different isn't that great like they're they're going to be pretty similar long term uh, the odds are are essentially the same for their long-term valuation in terms of production um yeah where they and, were drafted and, mm-hmm. yeah. mid-round um mid-first round quarterbacks perform very very similarly if you're pick number one overall you have an advantage, but the slope of uh, predicted production goes way down from there. It turns out the NFL is better than we give them credit for in selecting 101 quarterbacks. And then after that in the first round, it's not easy to predict who is going to hit. Um, and so this is this is a, a leveraged point, um, a, a Scott Connor type of bet who runs, you know, he's got like 65 leagues. Um, We're talking about one individual league here, but we're going to use that concept to acquire Christian Kirk because that gives you a third to half of a win. Um, If we're trying to stack up extra wins, we're almost at a win. We're between like two thirds to one half of a win by doing this Matt Stafford trade and by also acquiring Kenny Pickett and Christian Kirk for CJ Stroud. Super friends. Superflex dude here to talk to you about Ticketmaster. More memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you a 360-degree preview of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change... Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to represent your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com NFL. Let's do a big trade. Um, I am a fanboy of Mark Andrews. I think that he is poised for three to four years of 
difference-making elite production in tight end premium leagues, non-tight end premium leagues. I don't care. I want him on my teams. He is the player that I have the most exposure to out of any player. And I am going to make a proposal that I saw in the DLF trade finder twice. And that was sending two of your 24 firsts um, for Mark Andrews. I don't know if that would get done in this league. Um, I don't know if you'd be willing to give two firsts for Mark Andrews, but he offers, you know, right now we're at two thirds to one win of warp added to your starting lineup. Mark Andrews alone offers almost one and a quarter wins. I think yeah, that he yeah. is a, a special player. I think that he is a difference maker. And when I see that he is in the market going for two firsts and you have five, I can't wait to make that offer. And I'm, I'm wondering <laughs> what your thoughts are on it. No, that feels about right uh, in, in this league. Just for some context, actually, a few days ago, Andrews was traded for Jonte Williams and Quentin Johnson. So that's that's about right. Um, and I, I think that's a trade I would I would definitely make if uh, honestly, that's a trade I would I would I would make in this league if I felt like I could win next year and I wanted a player I could stick my flag in at the tight end position. So that's something definitely I, I think I should probably consider uh, if, if it's out there on the table. The beauty of this trade to me is you have Kyle Pitts as well. So you're stacking a potential advantage. You've already made the Kyle Pitts bet, right? You think that he is going to be special because you have invested in him. Your actions have dictated that. I to actually, double down, oh, sorry, go ahead. I took, I took Pitts at, uh, you're going to laugh, at 108 in the startup, eight, the eighth pick overall in the startup a year ago. So seven quarterbacks went off the board. And it was like Russell Wilson or Dak. No, Dak was gone. Russell Wilson or uh, Jalen Hurts before he broke out. And I took Kyle Pitts. So I, I have a huge uh, startup investment in Kyle Pitts. Yeah, which it means that you value this tight end premium. And I want to stack another piece on top of it. We have three flex spots that we can leverage here. I also want to build an advantage at your tight end position because – you don't have a lot of pieces here, right? You want to influence the way that your league mates are acting. You want to have them rostering more tight ends because you have two of the top three or four. You want to use whatever value you have on your roster as optimally as possible. And that is not just for your starting lineup. That is to influence how other people act. And this is a way to do that by being at the very top of the tight end position and doubling down with Mark Andrews. Um, so that's one that I feel pretty strongly about. And I feel that it would be perfect to layer in as your third trade once you've started to build up uh, this momentum as a middle tier contending team. Um, once you've done that, it's, it's time to commit, right? Let's assume that we've made these other three trades. We've got Matt Stafford. We've got Kenny Pickett. We've got Christian Kirk. So we feel relatively good about our quarterback position for the time being, right? So we've got a couple of starters. We've got Kyler Murray still sitting in the wings, ready to uh, hit our starting lineup come playoffs, assuming we make them. Um, our 
wide receiver position currently has JSN, Christian Kirk. We've doubled down at um, tight end. Now it's time to get a stud running back. It's time to commit. It's time to say, I'm going to be here week 12, week 14, week 17. I am going to get Nick Chubb. He's older. He's 27 or 28 years old. But he proved me wrong last week in a very small sample set. I think he caught four or five passes. That's something I wasn't sure the Browns were going to commit to. And this was in really poor weather conditions. I think that there is potential number one RB overall upside now based on this this tiny sample set. And I'm not trying to overreact, but of the players who could achieve this number one overall running back status, he feels to me based on the trades that I've made to be the most attainable um, to give you that extreme a warp to give you the point scoring advantage in your lineup that is going to be difficult for your league mates to match. And it's also going to, contribute to another move that I'm going to get into in a second. So just generally, how do you feel about Nick Chubb this season? And if you are pushing into a contending mode, is Nick Chubb the type of player or profile that you would want on your team? Nick Chubb has been proving people wrong for several years. I remember, I want to say it was in 2020. I think he has a December birthday. I, I remember, I like stuff like that. Just keep it in the back of my head, you know, when a player turns their next stage, and I think he was like 24, 25 a few years ago. I remember thinking, he's like older than what we think of. He's going to hit that decline soon. And three years later, we're still talking about him. He's worth the first. He's putting up RB1 numbers. So I love this move for a, a team that's ready to take the plunge. And I'm also a Browns fan. I'm, I'm actually not much of a homer. I traded away to Sean Watson. Uh, so I do like I do like it, that aspect of it, that he is a Brown. But um I feel like he's just one of those guys that you're going to have confidence in every week because he's on the field and he gets touchdowns and he gets yards and he got four, four catches last week, which is, we haven't seen that for a few years since pre pre Korean hunt or when Korean pump was hurt. And this is the riskiest move I think that I'm proposing. And that's why I'm, I'm layering it in towards the end of these proposed trades, because a lot of folks will tell you, wait until, I don't know, week 10 or your trade deadline, if you have one to acquire stud running backs, you don't have that flexibility. In my opinion, if you're going to push in to be a contender, you need as many starts as you can get as early as possible from these elite producers. And so it takes a little bit of guts to make this type of move, but lucky for you, you've got five firsts in your pocket right now. And how how many have you spent so far? (laughs) We spent two on Mark Andrews, and this is the potential third. This is the last one I'll spend. (laughs) Um, But you could sort of reserve one of your later firsts for this transaction, and that feels like fair market value to me based on what I've seen in my leagues and then also on the DLF Trade Finder. And I feel like he's worth it. This is somebody who could probably give you this year and next year as a contending piece. And when you look at a first round pick, let's say it's the 109 that you're trading away um, for Nick Chubb. That has like a 0.25 
warp um, contribution, it's it's really low. Um, and you can have that for, for two or three years, but Nick Chubb offers 1.3 this year based on his expert consensus ranking. So he's punching above his weight in terms of what you have to pay because you're unlikely to ever get that type of warp out of the entire career of the 109 um, in a rookie draft. And so I just feel like if you are going to make this shift, if we're going to get Matt Stafford, if we're going to get Christian Kirk and Mark Andrews, if we're going to get Kenny Pickett in an arbitrage, like let's commit, let's get a stud running back who is going to punch above his weight, who's going to overproduce the perceived value. And let's put him on the roster this year. All right. And I've got one more move that I just have to propose. And this is actually a negative warp move. This is counterproductive to a contending push. I'm sure you have a great reason, though. So <laughs> to take negative warp, the, the warp guy, you got to have a reason, a good reason. So let's hear it. I do. I do. Um, so my final move is actually to send away your 101, Bijan Robinson, but okay. to also send away JSN. So to send okay. away these two stud rookies, because I saw a very similar trade in which somebody traded Bijan and Drake London in a super flex league for Patrick Mahomes. Okay. This would be the coup de grace for your team. This would give you two very strong quarterbacks in Patrick Mahomes and Matt Stafford for this year. You would have Kenny Pickett as your QB three, and we still have not touched Kyler Murray, who's sitting on your IR currently. That is the four quarterback build that sets you up for QBX, if you would like. It sets you up for an elite QB build. It also sets you up to trade away one of these quarterbacks, assuming Kyler Murray comes back, let's say in week eight, and you give him a week to show you that he's still got it, that he's running fine, that he can throw the ball and he's making his reads. He's not rusty. You can trade away Matt Stafford at that point and maybe recoup that second round pick. Maybe you could trade away Kenny Pickett at that point. Um, in this offseason, he was going for a first round pick in some leagues, right? So I think that there are opportunities to capitalize on value gains for these other quarterbacks um, by building in a reserve and giving yourself the opportunity to patience with Kyler Murray and adding just an effing stud in Patrick Mahomes. This is something that I want to advise every Superflex player to attempt. Um, try to get Patrick Mahomes on your team. Go through the DLF trade finder and see what other people are doing to get Mahomes on, on their rosters. And the answer may be no. It may just be that he is not available at any cost. But he's clearly going in trades for some equivalent value to Bijan and JSN. And those just happen to be the players that you have on your roster. And I would assume that Patrick Mahomes is somebody that you would want even if you are going to be exiting your rebuild in 2024. Absolutely. And this is a, it's interesting you bring that up because I asked uh, John a few months ago, 
what do you do, say, with your when you're at the top of the mountain, when you have Dijon Robinson, when you have Justin Jefferson, do you, do you like having those players in your flywheel build? And and he was like, I kind of do because they they act as a insurance policy for QB. Yeah. And and that made a light bulb go off in my head to think, oh, I have an insurance policy for a top level quarterback in Bijan Robinson for the next several years if I ever need to cash that in. And I would much rather have Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow on my team than Bijan Robinson. And uh, honestly, borderline, we hope JSN is an irreplaceable wide receiver, but he could be. He could be wide receiver 15, wide receiver 18. We don't know if he's going to be wide receiver four, five, six. So I like it. I like that a lot. This offseason, I was able to trade Justin Jefferson, who is in a very similar tier to Bijan Robinson. I traded him for Justin Herbert, a second and a third round pick in a super flex league. I think if you're just patient, you can hunt out the right deal to do exactly what you said there and, and use Bijan as an insurance policy or to cash it in as soon as the opportunity presents itself. I think that's that's fantastic game theory for those who are carrying Bijan especially if you're in a rebuild like you are right now, because it's a little scary, I'm sure, holding Jonathan Taylor and holding Bijan Robinson when you're saying you want to, you want to tank to the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. That is a little frightening. I, I, I acquired Taylor kind of hoping he would get traded to Miami and he didn't. And now it's just, I just got to wait, wait it out and see what happens because this is a piece that I, you know, most running backs, unless he's like, Zeke or Derrick Henry, like is he's got a few years, uh, and in a rebuild, every single season is is precious for the, the, the people that are on your roster. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because the every year is precious component is something that's probably under recognized or underappreciated. Um, there's this great data analyst, Adiko, at Adiko underscore FF. Um, he just puts out amazing content. Um, one of the things that I saw the other day that really struck me was the rates in which the different playoff seeds win the championship, right? And so if you're the first overall seed um, going into the playoffs, you've probably got a bye week. You're almost a 32% uh, favorite to win it all. And it goes down dramatically from there. But the fifth and the sixth seeds are about the same in terms of likelihood to win it all. And they're around 8%. And so that's the percentage point that I am trying to get your team into. Because let's say we tank this year and you do a fantastic job rebuilding, right? You get Caleb Williams. You've got these stud running backs, JSN hits. You're the third seed. You only have a 14% chance or so of winning it all. If you're the sixth seed twice, you have two 8% shots and it doesn't stack up, you know, to where you can just add them together and say that, you know, 16 versus right. 14, but having access to first, second, or third matters in my opinion. And the cost uh, of whatever your buy-in is super friends is probably, it's probably worth it to push in. If you're in this middle third uh, where you're the, fifth through ninth best team in your leagues, because if you hang around long enough, you're going to get enough opportunities to collect 
uh, injury away running backs on waivers or to pick up the Nick Chubbs of the world or the Christian Kirks of the world when other teams are giving up and you're just sitting there persistently waiting for your opportunity to get a six seed, to have that 8% shot of winning a championship when you're an underdog. I mean, the difference between third and sixth is only a few percentage points. Just get into the playoffs. And that's what I've tried to do for you today. So the moves that we've made have moved you up from a three-win team into a seven, six, seven, eight-win team in a 14-week season. So it puts you right on the fringe. And you've got Kyler Murray to play with if you need to get, get a few more pieces to round out your roster. But I did not trade him away in these proposed moves because I really believe in the guy as a fantasy asset. And I think he's only going to ascend in production value and market value as well. And I wanted to do as little as possible to maintain those two first round picks still um, and to not touch your 25 draft picks while keeping you in a sustainable build to where you could achieve a five or six seed um, and, and work your way forward into 2024 as well. So I wanted to touch on that if we could. So if you did absolutely nothing, let's say you just sit on your picks, you sit on JSN and Kyler rides the bench. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, if we're riding that out, um, and then you draft and you hit the exact base rates, so the exact likelihood of production and value of your first round picks next year and that one high second round pick, you're very likely to win between six and seven games in 2024. So what I'm proposing is for you to get Patrick Mahomes and Mark Andrews And to burn essentially the value of the first round pick on Nick Chubb and to burn the second round value of that pick on Matt Stafford and to reconfigure your roster just a little bit to give you access to that 8% outcome that could be first place. Because next year, you're going to have a younger team. I fully recognize that. And I think that's a fantastic thing. But we're not great at predicting who will be good next year. We're barely decent at predicting who will be good this year. We've got like a 60% hit rate on predicting the top 24 players at almost any position. And so those are the moves that I wanted to make to highlight to the super friends that, hey, you may be in a very deep rebuild. You may have five first round picks and no inclination to move any of them because you want Caleb Williams. And that may be the correct move. However, there are alternative paths out there. And they're not that hard to find. This took us 30 minutes of talking through a little bit of strategy, and we found a path for you to get to the fifth or sixth seed. So I just want to pause there. I've been talking a lot. I want to hear what you think um, about some of the moves that I've proposed, some of the strategy, Um, not necessarily looking for a committal to compete, but I, I want to hear about the strategies that you may employ if you want to hold off into 2024 when you are ready to compete. So that was a really interesting point you just made that if I do what I've been planning on doing, which is go into next year, take my picks, draft several players, maybe trade a few for established veterans, I probably will have a similar win rate based on your your warp and what you've configured with those trades in this hypothetical world that we just did. So that is 
that's a little striking to me because I would have assumed I would have had a higher chance if I just maintained the course. And I think if my team was not this uh, just totally blown up and, and barren of, of talent beyond four or five players, I would absolutely want to push myself to do what you're doing here and not just hold on to the, the mystery and the, the aller of the next great rookie, the, the, the awesome hot name that everybody wants. Because if, we, if we're that close now, we may as well just, just do it now and not, and not wait a year. I do think my team is, is so bad that I, I probably want to just do what you're basically proposing one, one year from now. And, and that'd be the, the time I start. I think that makes a ton of sense. And the build that I'm proposing is somewhat fragile because every build is fragile. I have teams this year that have Cooper Cup and J.K. Dobbins and Jonathan Taylor and yeah. Mark Andrews. And guess how many points those players got me last week? They got me 11 <laughs> combined and one Achilles tear. <laughs> At least you didn't have Aaron Rodgers, too. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but what I want to highlight to the super friends is there are creative ways to accomplish this. Please, if you're going to rebuild, do what Josh is saying, a two-year rebuild at most. Don't commit to this into the forest, no timeline rebuild where you have 14 first round picks because the base rates for those picks are honestly not as good as you would imagine. And when you run them through these types of simulations, when you're only getting, you know, a quarter to a third of a win in value and production value from the 107, it's not as easy to pull out of some of the depths that we push our teams into when we blow it up. And so that's what I want to leave the super friends with today. Um, I want to open the floor for you, Josh, though, to see if you have any final questions, any follow-up questions. Um, we can certainly put your your X or, or Twitter handle out there if um, you want folks to talk through your rebuild with you. Um, but yeah, any final thoughts from you? Yeah, sure. To tell you the truth, I don't even know if I remember what it is because I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, just, I just use it to, to look at, at guys like uh, yourself and, and John and other, other guys in the industry. Um, I'll, I'll go find it if, if that's important. But yeah, I guess my question is, when, when you and John approach rookie picks, what are the picks you're wanting to make? What are the picks you're wanting to not make? When are you wanting to trade and get maximum, I'm not going to use the word value, I mean players, maximum points, maximum wins? from those picks because I know there's a cutoff somewhere. To me, in my mind, Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison, some of these names we're, we're seeing now, those feel like the names you probably want on your team. But those 108, 109, I think back the last few years, there's a whole bunch of Jalen Reggers and Henry Ruggs and JJ Ursega Whitesides and Keyshawn Vaughns just to go with the one Justin Jefferson and the one T Higgins. So, where is that line that you are saying, I'm trading these players out, for, I'm, I'm getting this asset off my team, I'm returning a player back to my team? Man, that's tough. And that's a fantastic question because it speaks to the process behind rookie picks. I 
traditionally only try to make a 101 rookie pick because it has about a 70% to 80%, depending on uh, if it's a quarterback or running back, odds of hitting um, for top 12 or 24 production, respectively. The 2020 class is perfectly illustrative of my concern, and I bought into that class too, um, but it highlights how challenging it is, even in a quote-unquote strong class, of actually punching above its weight. So we were very excited because we had a bunch of stud running backs, right? We've really not seen much out of that class in terms of production um, from the running position. We had JT give us one shooting star year. Um, AJ Dillon may be the next best producer. Uh, So it's, it's had a lot of hype, but it hasn't had a lot of production behind that hype. And then furthermore, when we look at the quarterbacks that we're drafting, it's not always the first quarterback that is the one that hits. Um, same with wide receivers. Justin Jefferson was not the first wide receiver selected in that fantasy uh, draft class, right. according to consensus. And so I hate making those gambles because the equivalent value of rookie picks, especially in April and May, is such that I can find better bets. And I find them in the veteran pool, right? Or I find them by chasing an arbitrage opportunity where I get a future first and I get an old guy, right? So let's say this off season, I could trade the 106 for Delvin Cook and a future first. Um, I'm willing to make that bet because the warp curve very much sprints to the top, to the 101, the 102, and then it really starts to drop off at the 103. And once you get to the 112, we're at about a tenth of a win, two tenths of a win um, in production over the first three years. And that's just not contributing anything meaningful to my teams. And so I would rather find opportunities to tear up into elite profiles, to package my first with two other pieces if I need to in a a super flex start 10 lineup league so that I can make sure that I have Deshaun Watson, I have Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Mark Andrews, those types of players. Because if you look at warp curves, there are only about 15 to 20 players that really, really matter. And if you can get three or four of them on your team, you've got a very solid favorite. And sometimes, you know, Cooper Cup gets hurt and Mark Andrews is out week one and, Jonathan Taylor is in a contract squabble and on the pup, and you just have to live with those results. But the true winning formula is finding a way to get those players on your team in the off season. And that's not for me by, by drafting them because I'm not very good at drafting. So for you, it's there's three or four players that give you the most wins that make the most difference, get those players on your team and everything else is just, how would you put it? Just it, It's just kind of similar in terms of how, how helpful they are to actually winning weekly fantasy football games. Yeah, because if you get beyond the top 16 wide receivers, there's a very flat production uh, curve behind that. And a lot of that on a weekly basis is due to touchdown variance, right? So we, we can't predict very accurately who which wide receivers are going to score two touchdowns on the year 
or nine touchdowns on the year. That really drives wide receiver 50 up to wide receiver 19. Um, And so if that's not predictive, I don't really care which one I have. Um, With running backs, injury attrition is so high that I just try to get as many as I can. And I don't worry about being right because um, we're not very good at that either. That's the least uh, accurate position uh, to predict. When you look at expert consensus rankings, we just don't know who's going to do that. However, at tight end, we're very good at that because you look at Travis Kelsey. <laughs> um, and beyond that, there's there's a very limited set of profiles that have done it in the past. One of those um, having finished at tight end one is Mark Andrews, and that's why I buy into him. It's not because I like him, the player. I like him, the profile. Um, and then at, at quarterback, that's also fairly predictive. However, it's not at the very top. The QB three from last year is not likely to finish as the QB three. They're in a range of QB one to QB 14. And so I just buy five of those and I try to, I try to get it right week to week, you know, just like that. Just just go buy them. It's not as hard (laughs) as people make it out to be. Um, I know that sounds crazy, but people for some reason love trading away their elite quarterbacks. Yeah, I I did. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah, now we'll get you Mahomes in, in some form or fashion. Yeah. And, you know, it's it starts with one good trade and then you just keep layering elite profiles behind it until a year and a half from now. Your league mates yeah. are going to look up and be like, what the hell happened? How do, how do we let him get all these quarterbacks and these great tight ends? And the answer is you didn't overspend at wide receiver or running back. Yeah. Let me ask you this. In a one to two year rebuild, what types of, of quarterbacks are you absolutely hanging on to? Are you hanging on to the top of the mountain or are you trading them for as many assets as you can? And I guess my follow-up question to that would be, are you trying to just accumulate as many assets that have this trade market value or like what's your approach to, to a rebuild? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So I typically find distressed assets at quarterback who have been elite in the past for more than one year. Um, I'm thinking of Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson. Those types are perfectly illustrative of what I seek out. I, I constantly try to get Mahomes on my teams. And there are very small windows in which he's accessible. But that's not really how you build a super team. You do that by taking advantage of buy windows for the other 10 quarterbacks that may matter. Um, And I'll do it. I'll do it. Even if I have five, I'd I'd love to have seven of the top 10. Um, There's a point in which it becomes ridiculous and the league will fold obviously um, because that's less fun for your league mates. But until you reach that point, you need to continue to try to accumulate elite assets because you can trade them. If you choose to, you can, flood the market back with four of those elite quarterbacks and employ a completely different strategy. Um, I I don't think that's necessarily the wrong move either. When I have begun building my teams back up, let's say I've switched into contender mode in a start 10, I want to have no more than 12 to 14 uh, really strong assets. If I have 16, 17, 18, I'm consolidating them. 
Um, it's really difficult to get more than 18 of the top, let's say 50 players. Um, but when that does happen, I will overpay to move to the very top using two of those assets in a two for one or three in a three for two. Um, because people do pursue depth in start tens when they probably shouldn't even in start 11s, I would be hesitant to tear down in a lineup league, uh, at the altar of depth. So depth is you define depth as, as 18 players that you're, you have a certain amount of, of production value. Yeah. And if you think about it, if you have, let's say you have a 30 man roster and 18 really viable starting options. I'm not talking about, you know, they're all studs, but somebody like a Christian Kirk, if you have 18 Christian Kirks, you don't have access to the waivers as freely as your league mates, because you're not going to drop a Christian Kirk onto waivers. Um, That would be a silly thing to do. And so you have less fluidity. You have less ability to maximize your fab money. You have less ability to influence uh, the market um, as you would choose to because you have a bit of a stagnant middle. And so I just want to remove that paunch in my roster construction, um, especially if I can get excellent production at the very top. And so I'm willing to uh, invest in players like a Jonathan Taylor right now using that, that middle portion of my roster where I'm not going to get starts for a few weeks. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with starting Salvin Ahmed this week, um, knowing that around the corner there, there is a truly elite profile waiting to bludgeon my league mates with. And it's just a matter of time before two middle tier assets turn into an elite producer. So are you filling the rest of your say 12 spots in this 30 man team with Selvin Ahmed types or uh, slightly above that, uh, maybe a better example would be Isaiah Ford types. Yeah, I, I'm filling it with whoever I can get my hands on for free. Um, I I don't mind having Salvin Ahmed. I don't mind having Jerome Ford. Um, Jerome Ford, yeah. Yeah, I had Josh Kelly before waivers ran because he was on my roster in most of my leagues. Not because I thought he was good, but because he was free. Um, and so it really depends on what is out there on waivers. But even in 32-man rosters, I'll go get Amari DiMarcato and Xavier Valade and, I mean, truly like practice squad level players, Miles Gaskin. Um, yeah. Because I know that if I can hang around long enough and make the playoffs – Jarrett Patterson is going to be starting for somebody. <laughs> yeah. What's what's the Scott Connor saying? They're on a 53. They're, yeah. Any RB yeah. on a 53. And yeah. I mean, it, it even extends to practice squad right now because the, the league changed the rules. Um, I think it was two years ago now to where uh, you don't have to have an age restriction and you can go up and down, I think five or six times, whereas before it was once or twice. Um, And so people are signing the Miles Gaskins. I think the Vikings just did again. And we're not sure if Madison can cut it. It honestly doesn't matter if Madison can cut it. Um, What matters is that there's an uncertain RB2 and RB3 situation behind that. And so Miles Gaskin is somebody that I get giddy about picking up. 
my my league mates and friends who I'm in dynasty leagues with, they make fun of me. Like, are these CFL running backs? Like, who are these people? But they're also upset when I'm starting players that I picked up six weeks ago and they turn into James Robinson, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Gaskin has done it. Yeah, I remember that one 10-catch game. Yeah. Kind of put him on the map. And, I mean, who's to say that there can't be a three- or four-week stretch where he does it again? Yeah, and Mike Boone is exhibiting some of that. I think he's in Houston right now. He got some sneaky workload this week, and that's exactly the type of player that nobody else is going to put a waiver bid on. Sure. Yeah, we've got a few minutes left. Do you have any other questions, or is it time to wrap this one up? Um, man, I can always think of questions to talk dynasty. I mean, I, I wake up in the middle of the night, and I have to go to the bathroom, and I'm, I'm thinking about what do I got to do on my dynasty squad you know, before the, the waivers go. So um, I guess – just generally, uh, how do you think through tearing up and tearing down at positions and when do you decide to do that? So, for example, I just made a move where I, I traded fields um, for two of this was a tear down before last week, I think, in value standpoint. And I got a first and a second on top of that. I think I had to throw in some stuff in there. I had to throw in some replacement level players. And, uh, uh, Joshua Kelly was one of them, Darnell Mooney, but I got a first and second and two, uh, two had a great week one. And now it seems like the market is slowly maybe shifting a little bit on their feeling of fields after his dismal week one quarterbacking performance. Um, that was just an example of how, how do you, how do you decide when to make those type of a move? Moves? Yeah. I want to tear up into players with extreme contract security And so if the player that I'm trading away or players that I'm trading away don't have that and I can get that in a very similar profile, I'm excited and interested about that type of move. Um, I will only trade away an elite quarterback if I'm getting another elite quarterback in the same tier plus a significant add-on. And you, you might say like, well, that never happens. It will if Joe Burrow tears his ACL. Um, You remember he was limping around in the preseason. Let's say that that was an ACL tear. Um, I would trade away Lamar Jackson for Joe Burrow in a first. I might add a second on top just to get the deal done. But those are the types of moves that I'm willing to make at at the QB position. I am willing to trade away any running back that gets a clarified value bump. Um, I'm so quick to do that. Uh, because I'm excited about the next running back that I can pick up. I think that that type of grinding away for thirds, fourths, sometimes a two, three swap with your league mates adds up over time and gives you the flexibility to buy a Brandon Cooks when you need him. Um, Furthermore, when you run really lean and elite, it gets a little bit uncertain and scary at times. But then you pick up Puka Nakua three weeks ago because it's not looking so good for Cooper Cup. And once he goes on IR, you're like, all right, I'll just throw this guy in because I need a wide receiver three. Or you have Michael Thomas because you need a wide receiver three. And that's the only way I've found to get the 11 or 15 targets or whatever both of those guys got last week is by having a little desperation. I think a lot of folks, they love rostering those types of players 
but there are three or four wide receivers in front of them who will also never start. Um, and so I think that I'm willing to trade to put myself in those types of positions where others, it feels almost like a form of chicken. Others, they want to have perceived security, whereas I want to have a little bit of desperation with the caveat that I've traded away running backs or I intend to in a few weeks. And if I fail, if I do a poor job at managing my wide receiver position or my tight end position, I've built up some capital and I can, you know, I can throw out the airbags and catch my season before it falls. Yeah. So, because if, if you had, say, five Deontay Johnsons, you would never start Puka Nikua. Yeah. You talk, you'd talk yourself out of it. Yeah. It would be silly to start Puka Nakua because it would go against how I've built my team, right? Um, but if you've got AJ Brown, Cooper Cup, um, Deontay Johnson, and you need to start three wide receivers in this league, that's a that's a league where you start Puka Nakua. And most of the time, like this isn't a victory lap. Most of the time <laughs> you get one catch for three yards, but you know yeah. what? You just live with that. That's okay because the rest of your roster is constructed very intentionally and very differently than that wide receiver three position. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's great stuff, Tommy. Yeah. I appreciate you joining me. It's always great to talk with the super friends. Um, I love the conversations we've had via DM. I like this even more. Um, but I think it's probably time to wrap it up and let some of the super friends hopefully execute these types of strategies if they're on the fence about whether or not they can contend this year. If anyone has any questions, please feel free to reach out to me on X or Twitter um, at FFTommyB. Did you find your, your Twitter handle? I did. I, I made it as my, my last name followed by my first name, which is at Nims Joshua. N-I-M-S. Like a weird last name. <laughs> Joshua. There we go, y'all. Um, so, yeah, we're going to wrap it up here. Um, thank you so much for listening, everybody. I don't have the traditional outro, so I just want to thank you guys for taking some time out of the end of your week. Good luck in your week two matchups. Um, I hope it goes well for you and we avoid the injury bug. But with that, uh, we're going to say goodbye. Everyone have a good day. Yeah.